<clears throat> I would have been glad to have at least one of our visitors share the message this morning. He would have been totally satisfied with that. I didn't realize there was going to be some preachers here this morning. Um, so that that uh, invitation is still open if you'd like to do it. I do have something I'll be, be glad to share. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed our time together this morning, both in worship and also sharing. So, so I, I'm gonna. I want to share a, a message today on ask, seek, and knock. Three words. <clears throat> And the way I came to this is uh, we've been going through uh, a Sermon on the Mount in our Sunday school. And it's been very challenging and it's been very freeing and challenging because it, for me it helps me realize the very simple teachings of Jesus. That they're not some, something abstract that we can't get a hold of or latch onto. He really wants us to grab a hold of the of his simple teachings and believe them. And in believing them, it gives us hope. And so I have chosen to, this is something that's been, been on my mind, uh, about asking, seeking, and knocking. And I, the, the way I came to not really the way I came to it, but one of the things I thought about is, one of the first things in, in the Sermon on the Mount is what Jesus said is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And so I've been thinking about that for, for weeks already. What does it really mean to be a poor person or a poor in spirit? And, you know, just by a simple definition, a person that is poor has a need. And so I was thinking about, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're poor physically, whether you don't have any money, it doesn't matter whether you are poor spiritually, you have a need. If a poor person has a need, and Jesus is saying here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the, the way I connected that with ask, seek, and knock is because if I'm going to ask for something, it's because I have a need. If I'm going to knock, a, knock on a door for someone, I have a need. And if I'm going to seek, it's because I have a need. And so Jesus is saying to, the, to, to us this morning, if you have a need, you can... You can ask, you can seek. In fact, he invites you to do that. He invites us to do that. Ask, seek, and knock. So let's, let's go to that. That's in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. Jesus said, and this could be the sermon right here. We could, we could say this. We, I could read this and then, you know, allow, you, you know, just, you could just mull over that and receive it as spiritual food for your soul and take it with you the rest of the week and it can nourish your soul. And as you ask, seek, and knock, the Bible is very clear. He's going to, you will find it. Uh, it will be open to you and you will receive. So let's just read that. So if you're here this morning, this is, this is kind of the, the, the this, is, this, this is the clincher. If you're here this morning and you are a needy person, 
you're in a very good place. You don't have to be, you don't have to be on cloud nine. You don't have to be feeling really good. But if you're here this morning and you're a needy person, you're in a very good place. It was the ones that didn't, that weren't at that place that didn't find. They didn't, they didn't find because they didn't knock. You know, why would I knock if I don't have a need? I'm a very independent man by nature, you know, just to be honest with you. And I, I still find it hard sometimes to ask. I'm self-confident, or no, not really self-confident, but I'm, you know, it, it, I'm more like, I can do this. I can, I can take care of this problem. I'm a, I tried, but by nature, I'm a problem solver. I, at least I think I am. And so I try very hard to solve problems. And Jesus is simply saying this morning, if you ask, if you have a need, you ask, you knock, and you seek. So let's read it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Simple couple verses, I mean, couple words. Do you believe that? Ask, and it will be given to you. He doesn't even say what you're supposed to ask for. It's just that if you have a need in your heart and you ask, He's saying it will be given to you. I mean, that should give all of us a hope. It, 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 should, it should make us joyful. It should make us, it should, it should put a purpose in our life, in our hearts. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. It doesn't say seek and you might find. It says seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And then it even goes farther than that. For everyone. It's not just a few select. It's everyone. Everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Nothing, maybe. It's all positive. It's the way it's going to be. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. It's not my words. These are the words of Jesus. And John, they're red-lettered in my Bible. So remember that conversation, John? They're red-lettered. This is Jesus talking about. I'm not necessarily lifting that up above the rest, but I'm just saying it is. Jesus said this. Or what man... Is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts, good things, to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's just pray again. Father God, I just pray that you would take this word and help us to embrace it. That it would sink down into our hearts so that we can understand your heart for us. We understand your purposes. Lord, we need you. We need you to to reveal to us the heart of God for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. So this is this is the this is the text. 
that I want to that I want to come from. I want to use as a springboard to show you the heart of God. You know, I mentioned that what it says in what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. The opposite of a poor person or the poor in spirit is somebody that is okay in his own mind. Somebody that is, uh, you know, the biblical term would be a self-righteous person. Um, You know, a self-righteous person usually doesn't know that he's self-righteous. But that's the opposite of a poor in spirit person. I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, verse 13. Jesus, <clears throat> it says, um, this was where, where Jesus was being reprimanded or maybe challenged for eating with sinners and tax collectors. And it says in verse 12, when Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says this, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, it's that same thought of a needy person coming to Jesus. And Jesus himself said he didn't call, he didn't come to call the righteous. He came, he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These are the words of Jesus. And if you find yourself to be a sinner this morning, Jesus is calling you. You don't have to be ashamed of that. Jesus is calling you. You can put your name in there. Okay. I want to look at some examples of prayers that Jesus lifted up for us to see so that, you know, so, so that we know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. In fact, he says in Matthew chapter, um, he, he says in Matthew chapter, where is that? The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, in Ma- Matthew chapter 6, he was teaching the disciples how to pray, and I, I don't really want to expound on that, but I'll read the prayer. He says, Our Father, we, you know, th- this is a prayer that uh, I learned in school. Be- but before he did that, he told us how not to pray. And he says in, in chapter 6, verse 5, When you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. He says, don't do that. Don't pray like that. And so I don't, you know, I personally don't think it's wrong, you know, here's my, these are my thoughts. It's necessarily wrong for us to pray in the corner of the streets. But with the attitude of, I think what he's talking about, praying with the attitude of being seen by men. And you could, you could translate that to anything in your life. If you do, you, if you want to, if you uh, do your spiritual exercises to be seen of men again. Uh, he's saying, don't do, don't do it that way. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the, on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, sec- in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. In this manner, therefore, pray. And it's the prayer, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it's the attitude of the heart that he wants us to approach him. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and power and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But I said I wanted to look at some, some ways that Jesus invites us to pray. And I've picked out several. One is in Luke chapter 18. I'm going to call this the persistent prayer. In Luke chapter 18, we have an example of a poor widow. Again, you've got to put yourself in, you know, for us to, I think for us to understand the heart of God in this, maybe we have to try to put ourselves a little bit, as much as we can, in that, in that situation. He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And what, I think what he means by uh, losing heart is, is to not doubt or don't lose and you lose your faith. When you pray, you keep believing. There was a certain judge, there was a certain, there was a certain city There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. And I want us to pay attention to the parable that Jesus used in order to teach us something about prayer. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man nor now there, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. 
And shall not God avenge his own elect? Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And to me, these things are are a tremendous challenge because both, um, it's kind of like you keep hammering heaven for your requests. You keep at it. You keep going. You keep going. And in your keeping, you don't lose faith because it says, will he really, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And I was reminded of some of the examples that it talks about in Hebrews. The, 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 you know, because you can't, really, you can't really talk about prayer, effective prayer, unless you also talk about or think about faith. Because it takes faith in order to pray. And it takes faith to keep praying, even if you don't see what you would like to see. It's, it, it demands faith of you. And that's what he was saying here. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, no, I'm sorry. It's, uh, I think it's Hebrews 11. I was challenged with um, In Hebrews chapter 11, it's just a, it's just a tremendous um, chapter because if you go down through this, um, there was such a variation of experiences for the people that were were a part of, of, of Hebrews 11. So I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start reading in verse 30, Hebrews 11. It says, By faith they overcame. And the Bible is very clear that we, it is by faith that we overcome. You know, the it says in John that is uh, faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and we we will never, as long as we live in this life, we will never outgrow the need to live by faith. We will never outgrow the need to have faith, to to walk by faith. And it may look different for you than it will for me. Your life's experience may demand a different portion of faith. I don't know. We don't all have the same experiences. Some of us go through different things in different times, but in everything, it demands faith from us, faith in our God. And so by faith, in verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, 
also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony, through faith did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So if I read this, if I, if I read about these people, the actual experience, I think what I'm going to find is that these people were asking, they were seeking, and they were knocking. They kept, they kept asking God, and so... You know, sometimes, I mean, I, I've talked to people um, many times that would claim, if God is who you say he is, if the God that you serve is who, he's, who you say he is, why did he not do this? Or why did he allow this to happen? Or why this and why that? Usually it's reference to their some, something in their own experience. I don't know if there's any... I'm almost sure some of us can relate to some of those questions that we have sometimes. Um, we start to question God. And I don't know how... I don't know how that will affect every one of us, but I, what I want to encourage you today is that I, I'm, not, I'm not even quite sure how to encourage you. I, I want to encourage you to, I, I guess what was on my heart, I want to encourage us men to rise up. And I, I bless every young man here. I want to encourage us to rise up and be real soldiers. And a soldier is someone that prepares himself to do battle. First, he prepares his heart. He knows where he, what he wants and where he's going. And he knows what's right. And I want to encourage us to do that. And the reason, I, the reason I want to encourage us to do that is because, maybe because of some of the things that I, that I see going on in our society. And I, I know that we're going to be bombarded with some things that are, that are going to be very deceptive. They look like they're almost right. But if we're not grounded... In the Word of God, in God's heart, um, we might have to pay a price.
And so, I want us to, first of all, I want us to rise up and be soldiers. I want us to rise up and know what, what God wants from us. I want us to know how to, know how to pray in this way in some of the examples that we see in the Bible. So that's my heart. The other thing we see in this prayer in in Luke is um, it's a fervent prayer. That widow didn't give up. She kept right at it. She had a need. And she asked. She knocked. And she got. That's the example where she got. I want to look at I want to look at another one. Um, and I don't know. How, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to decipher all of these things. But I, I, if, if I feel like oftentimes when I preach, I feel like if I can get, if I can get somebody to, 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 to stir, in their, if I can get there to stir in their heart to seek after God, I feel like it's a, a big accomplishment. And in saying that, I'm not saying that we don't. I, I really believe we do. But I want us to keep going. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to read an account that Paul gave of his own life. Um, it's, it's, the title of this little account is A Thorn in the Flesh. And I don't claim to know what the thorn in the flesh is. But I simply want to, I simply want to point something out to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said this, Paul said this, uh, verse 6, I'll start there. For though I I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And then 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations... A thorn, and again, this is, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might, that it might depart from me. doesn't say what it was other than it was a thorn in the flesh. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so what I'm saying is in our asking and in our knocking and in our seeking, there needs to be a heart that's surrendered to, like we heard this morning, the sovereignty of God. Right? That's what Paul did. That's what Paul said. In fact, he said this. I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might depart from that it might depart from me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so if my life is not about me, but it's about glorifying that. Jesus Christ would be glorified through my life. I'm okay with that. It's not so much 
Do I really get what I'm asking for? Yes, we can ask. I don't think we should shy away from asking. But at the end of the day, that Jesus Christ might be glorified through me and through my life. And he sees the big picture. We don't always see the big picture. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, therefore, most gladly, and because his strength is made perfect in weakness, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. I like to look at definitions for words and that infirmities. And again, I don't know exactly what Paul had in mind. But the word infirmities, infirmities means physical or mental weakness. There was some weakness that he was glorying in. That's what it says. I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in, in reproaches. <clears throat> a reproach is when somebody expresses a disappointment or disapproval in what you're doing or you. Paul said he would, he would glory in that. In persecute in needs, he glories in needs. You know, we like to have everything. I like to have my needs met. Paul said he glories in needs. In persecutions, in distresses, but he did qualify. It said for Christ's sake. So there's no point in it just going and trying to fit in with all these categories but the point is that our life would exemplify Jesus Christ because whether we like it or not we are the light of the world we're the salt of the earth you believers us as believers we are that we're the light of the world the salt of the earth and if it loses its savor, if it loses its light, it's, you know, there's not much left. Just not much left. In reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Now I want to turn to... I want to turn to... Uh, See, I have it somewhere. Remember Jesus? The night of the crucifixion. Trying to find that somewhere. I have it written down, but I just don't know where it is. 
Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is our captain that did that. It's the Son of God that did that. He prayed that way. If he did it, how much more should it be our heart? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying, the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is, is being betrayed into the hands of sinner. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So I thought it was a very interesting, it was a, it was a surrendered, prayer and it's the same way for us <clears throat> ask seek and knock I was thinking and, I, and again I, I'm, I'm thinking today about prayer Learning to walking with God in that way. And I know we pray. I just want to encourage us. But let, I'm going to look at a, a verse in James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Here we have that here we have that thought again. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. Doesn't say some, says all. Liberally. That means in large or generous amounts. If you lack wisdom, if I lack wisdom, I can ask of God. It said, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, without disappointment. That's the way God gives. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. It's, tremendous, it's, it's, it's just tremendous powerful, tremendous power here that God invites us to ask, ask for wisdom. Then he, and not only does he do that, he promises to give all, to give to all. And not just to all, but liberally and without reproach. He says you'll do that. Without disapproval or without disappointment. It's powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 says we should pray boldly. We should boldly come to the throne of grace so that we may find help. And then I want to turn to Ephesians In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, very familiar verses. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Again, that thought of 
praying with all supplication in the Spirit as the thought of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. If we, if we sense the need in our heart, we will ask. And you know, if we don't sense it, we probably won't. And so the, the key is to see our need for this type of, um, what do you say, storming heaven or pursuing God for truth, for righteousness, to sustain us. Like approach it this way, God, we need you. We cannot do without you and keep approaching him that way. So I want to leave that with you. Um, and again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with, I'm blessed with you all. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage all of us. This, this message was not for you all more than it was for me. And so I, I give it to you in that way. God bless you.